0: We thank you for your grace and love. We thank you for your goodness and Lord, just your grace over our life. We pray that you speak to our hearts now about you and your word, Lord. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The message tonight is God according to the Bible. You know, people have some screwy ideas who God is, what he likes, what he dislikes. And our country really has gone from um, a liberated nation being God-fearing to an indoctrinated nation that is godless and fears no one, even self. And really, we're the most destructive of all things in creation. You know, creation is subject to God. The planets are stable. Animals are animals. But mankind isn't rebelling against the creator. Continuously. And yet, everything that we teach is so contrary to what God reveals about himself and about us. And somehow our society just moves on with this false reality. Um, it's the whole facade of our society. Um, many of you, I'm sure, do Facebook and you have Twitter and all this stuff. Everybody's a star today. Their own promoter. I'm living the dream. And it's like we believe all the lies to be true. And we reject, we reject all the truths saying they're lies. And we keep on walking down this society that's decaying, embracing those lies. Now, the church is no different than the world. It's a parallel. If you're not grounded in the word of God, if you don't believe what the Bible says about God and about you, then you will embrace the philosophy of the world. You will embrace the philosophy of the educators. You will yield to the pressure of your friends. You must be born again. And you must depend upon God's word. Or you will become just like the world. Let me give you three truths about God and the Bible. And what the Bible says about God. And we'll just run through them. And we'll see how they apply and how they run in our lives. First of all, God is declared to be... The Holy Creator. He created all this. We didn't evolve. We'll talk about that. Secondly, God is declared to be a loving Redeemer. And then thirdly, we'll look at God is declared to be a just judge. Let's begin with God is declared to be a Holy Creator. Stop and think of everything you see around you. Do you really believe that you evolved? Do you really believe that you came from a polywog or from a monkey? There's absolutely no evidence. In fact, those of you who are in school university, you've taken basic biology, oceanography, anything like that. You know that the simple cell isn't that simple, is it? And that simple cell has to appear complete in itself. It can't grow progressively there isn't enough years even in the trillions of years to believe that it can come to be that complex with even that amount of time it's just not possible and yet in spite of the evidence around us we still embrace the lies rather than believing what genesis one says in the beginning god created the heavens the earth and he spoke things into being the word borrow he just spoke them into being And he began the first, day, second, third, fourth, the fifth, and the sixth, he created man. You see, if you believe the record of Genesis, then you can understand why the world is the way it is. If you don't believe the record of God creating everything, and the fall of man, and sin, then you have to explain to me why it is that we're so messed up. If our educators are right, that we're really good. By the way, if you believe we're good, give me some evidence. Let's start with you. You get an F for phony because we are sinners. Whether it's in thought or in deed, private or public, we are bad news. He created everything, every planet, every star, everything created you. He gave you a conscience, the ability to think. And yet as he created everything and created you, he's given you as an individual the free will to exercise. That free will he gave to you. You're not a robot. And he gives you the capacity to worship, to worship the one who created you even as he shows us in, in Genesis chapter one through chapter two, as he places Adam in the garden and he acknowledges God and he looks to God. He has everything he needs. He walks with God in the cool of the evening. And that's what God desires to do with you. If you don't know Jesus Christ tonight, then God wants to reveal himself to you and your're need of, of a savior, because you're a sinner, you're headed for hell. You have a sin nature. It betrays your philosophy of goodness. It exposes you. But everybody just lives along with the lie. You're good, I'm good, we're all good. Yeah, we're all good and all going to hell. And partially it's kind of right because there's a lot of good people in hell. Thinking that being good they can get to heaven. Every person in hell tonight believes they're rotten. And they believe in heaven and hell. But it's too late for them to change that choice. Your choice for salvation and for eternal life is before you die, not after you die. Now, being young, you think you're going to live forever. But let me tell you something. Young people die all the time. (laughs) Babies die. Death respects no one. We're not to be subject to creation, that we worship the creation or that we fear the creation. In fact, God created and gave warning through the law that the creation was made for the purpose and benefit of man, that you might enjoy the sun, that you might enjoy the rain, that you might benefit from planting your crops and everything else. And to thank God for that and not to be subject to the creation, to worship the sun, the moon, the stars or anything else, that's idolatry. That's like Romans 1 says you're worshiping the, the creature rather than the creator, which is blessed forevermore. And we look to our society and we at one time were such an exalted nation, such a wise nation, such a nation that led it by example, a nation that had the greatest educational institutions and in all. Most of them began as Christian institutions. Now they've been taken over by liberalism. Princeton, Yale, all of them. And now we, we can't even, we can't even balance our budget. In fact, we, we don't even acknowledge that we have a $16 trillion debt. If you ran your finances the way the government runs it, they'd throw you in jail. The only difference between you and the government is you have less money, so you go to jail sooner. You run out of money a little faster. But see, as long as you're around, they won't run out because it's your money they're going to (laughs) get. That's all. But don't worry about it. They're good. They're looking out for your good. See, that even betrays us. You understand? It's a lie. We've gone from a nation that believed in God, our whole constitution, everything. Now we're a nation that is opposed to God completely. And we've fallen back in the paganism. We look to our society. We're becoming more pagan. With the less ability to think critically. We just repeat the same garbage that's been given to us. That has no common sense. No logic. No truth to it. Back in 204, then, during the Olympic Games, there was um, the commentator there in Athens was talking about the swimmer. Just great swimmer and all that. And she had gotten a tattoo in honor of her mother who had died. And it's tragic that her mother had died before she won the Olympics... But he was commenting how she drew strength from that and even the fact that they brought the ashes of her cremated mother for, so she could be present. Paganism. Total paganism. We're going backwards. Today people are worshiping everything but the creator. The greatest thing they're worshiping is themselves. We even come up with names like divas. <laughs> Amazing. They should be demons, not divas. It starts with the same letter. And they worship the weirdest things. The new age. The yin, the yang. The forces. The winds. shui. Color your door. Position your door. Your furniture. We used to be a wise nation. We're a parallel with Israel. God says, people are going to mock you. And when I bring judgment upon you, they're going to say, why did God judge them? And they're going to say, because they turned their back on their God. Wow. So we tolerate anything and everything today. To the point that now we're legislating immorality. And corruption by law. So now we're being forced to become corrupt and to go along with things that are against the scriptures. But every generation has had to take a decision on that. Not so much in the United States. It's just our turnout. Other nations have always been against God. And the Christian community has always flourished because they say truth to the word. So now it's our time. If you're young people, you're going to school. If you're, if you're a Christian, you're a faithful Christian, then you're swimming upstream, you're a salmon. But if you're going along with the program, you're just a dead fish going downstream. You enjoy the ride. The last destination is not very pleasant. And yet all this is against what God really wants. God wants to save you. God wants to forgive you. God wants to change your life. God wants to turn on the light so you can see the reality of truth. So you can live abundantly. God is declared to be holy, a holy creator. He created everything for us, but He's separate from us. Because of sin entering in, we have fallen from God. We're separate from God. And so God wants to take care of that sin that separates us. And He does this only through His Son, Jesus Christ, as we'll see. But secondly, the Bible also declares that God is a loving Redeemer. And that's the whole aspect of dealing with your sin and mine. In Genesis, he gave the first promise in Genesis 3, 3.15, the seed of the woman. That promise there in Genesis 3.15 is talking about a woman who's going to have a child without a man. The woman has the egg, not the seed. The prophetic promise of a Messiah to come, the Son of God. It's repeated throughout the scriptures. Isaiah 7.14, a virgin should bear a son. Matthew 1.23 fulfills it as Mary is impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And that which was conceived as her was of the Holy Spirit. And his name was to be Emmanuel, God with us. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and God was the Word. And the Word became flesh and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. God took on flesh as the last Adam to undo the mess of the first Adam. And to show us the way back to the Father. As he became sin for us on the cross. And as the Father accepted that payment. And then he died, and he descended to the lowest hell, and he preached to the captives and those who died in faith, and he led captivity captive to heaven, fulfilling the promise that he had destroyed death, as he tasted death for every person, and the Father accepted the payment of the sins of the world. The invitations have been sent out in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever excludes no one. Whoever ends in hell, ends in heaven by choice. And whoever ends in hell, ends in hell by choice. God doesn't predestine you to go to heaven or to hell. He made the payment, and He says, where do you want to go? Now, I know reality is down right now, but... A key thing about reality when you're purchasing a house or something is location, location, location. Let me suggest that your eternity, the most important thing is location, location, location. Okay? You don't want to go to hell. Though you have all the right to go to hell. God doesn't want you to go to hell. But only you can decide whether you'll end up in hell. See, people are always blaming God. Well, I can't believe in the God of the Bible who's going to send people. Hey, God doesn't send anybody to hell. He sent the son that you might not go to hell. But only you can make that choice. And not an intellectual decision that you make one time and just walk on your way. He changes your heart. He transforms your heart. He gives you the ability. But you've got to walk in obedience. He gives you the ability. He gives you the nature. He gives you the means by which. But you have to yield to the Lord. Because God doesn't force you. Not before salvation or after salvation. You must be faithful and loyal. What must hold you to God is your love for God, not your fear of God. A wife and a husband are faithful to each other, not because there's lack of opportunities to be unfaithful, but because the love for them holds them together. You understand? God gave man that free will of choice. In Genesis 3, he told Adam, everything you see is for you. You can eat of anything except one thing. One thing. Now, there was no sin nature there. But he had a free will. And what does he do? He goes to the one thing. <laughs> Having everything. And then sin entered in. And through sin, death entered in. And so it passed to all men. Romans five twelve says. And therefore, every woman that ever has a child. Brings in one more rotten sinner into the world. <laughs> there has never been a baby born without sin nature. Now they're little and cuddly and, you know, they can't really hurt you when you take them home. That's why God gives you to without teeth and without muscles without being able to walk. If you took that baby home and had teeth able to walk, you wouldn't live the first night. They're the most selfish thing in the world. They don't care how much hours you've slept or not slept. They care less if you feel good or not. I want my milk. I want my diapers changed now. They don't care if you've slept or not. So... The problem with humanity is that sinners can only produce sinners. It's never been different. God, through Isaiah, cried out in Isaiah 118, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. The only one that can cleanse you from all sin to make you whiter than snow is the blood of Jesus Christ. If you believe that God sent the son to die in your place. And that he can make a new creature of you. But he needs to change your heart. The problem with people is not their brain, it's their heart. The heart of man is deceitful, desperately wicked. And God alone knows the depth of my own depravity. And so He wants to change my heart so that I can align myself with the will of God. And so that my mind is transformed by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and directed. Not by my emotions, not by my feelings, not by my circumstances. And this is what happens when we're young. We get moved by emotion. We get moved by circumstances. It doesn't mean we don't do that when we get older. But hopefully we aren't as stupid as we were when we were younger. And when I say stupid, it's because we don't have the experience. We're young. And we believe all the junk of the media, all the quote, quote, supposed professional teachers. Listen, they're professors. They only profess. They don't possess. They're little gods in the arena of education. But they're nothing in real life. And so you have to test out truth. Is it according to God's word or is it according to man's philosophies? Their opinions. And so Jesus being the propitiation for our sins is the only one that can forgive us of our sins. He's the one that satisfied the wrath of God. The wrath of God fell upon him. And he became literal sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Second Corinthians 5.21. And that's the offer that Jesus gives to you tonight. Regardless of what has happened to you. What has been done to you. Regardless of what you have done. If you believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. God who became man. Died for your sin and rose from the dead. Then the Bible says you can call upon him and be saved. And he'll forgive you. And he will cast your sins as far as ceases the west. Bury them in the deepest ocean. And he will never mention them again. And you've got to go forward. And you keep your eyes on the Lord. See, God has declared to be the loving Redeemer. God loved us, but he can't save you through his love. He had to save you through his death. If you're a father or a mother, and your son or daughter is Into drugs. Or whatever they may be. Your love can't turn them around. You hurt because you love them. You've got to see them make that choice of a provision that can help them. So God didn't save us by his love. That's his motivation. But he saved us through the death and resurrection of his son. There was a real payment that was made. There was a real acceptance of that payment when he raised them from the dead. God didn't just fool us. And so your trust and faith is on what Jesus did for you. It has nothing to do with who you are or whether you're worthy. You just qualify because you're a sinner. And if you agree with God, he'll honor your heart. And thirdly, God has declared to be the just God then. If he's made all these provisions, and he's given you free will, then he will judge you righteously and justly. Since God, the creator of all mankind, has revealed himself to man, now you've, you live in a country where you have great privilege. You have libraries, you have schools. You can read, you can have media, you can have all kinds of stuff. so there's no excuse for you not hearing the gospel, one way or another. you'll come across it before you die. Other countries that don't have all of this, but yet God is faithful that if He sent the Son to die for all, God will reach those people. How, when, where? I can't tell you, but I know if God sent the Son to die for them, God will give them at least one opportunity. Because if God doesn't, then how can God judge them? Then God cannot be just. He couldn't be holy. He would be unjust. God says, why do not you accept me? He said, well, I never heard about you. Oh, sorry. No. You will have at least one chance. When God judges every sinner who has rejected him. No one will say, I never had a chance. They will stand condemned before God because they rejected at least that one and only chance. Again, the two thieves on the cross is a perfect example. One accepted, the other one rejected. Simple. God is giving you the evidence of creation, conscience, history, and the gospel. We are without excuse. And so, since God is the Redeemer of all mankind, who's made these provisions for every person, and who has given you a free will, then He will hold you accountable for your choice. If you've never heard the gospel, you're hearing it tonight. You're busted. Now, you don't have to believe God. You don't have to be born again. But you can be. God won't force you to go to heaven. You have all the right to go to hell. But you don't have to. But it'll be your choice before the night is over. Where it is that you want to spend eternity? Heaven or hell? If you reject because he is a holy creator and a just judge, when he condemns those who have rejected him, he will be absolutely just. Let's take Judas Iscariot, for instance. Judas Iscariot comes before God, and God judges him. And he says to Judas, why did you betray me? And he says, well, because you, you prophesied that I was going to do it, and you forced me to do it. You buy that theology? If God forced Judas Iscariot to betray his son, then God would be responsible for the sin of Judas Iscariot. Prophecy is not forcing a person to do the evil. Prophecy is only revealing the evil the person will do because God knows the heart of man. Jesus gave to Judas Iscariot chance after chance to repent. Even to the very last time in the garden, when he kissed them, betrayed him with a kiss repeatedly. He says, Judas, do you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? To the very end, he gave him a chance to repent. He did not repent. God did not predestine him to go to hell. God has never predestined anybody to go to hell. And God has never forced a person to go to heaven. Everybody in heaven has gotten there by choice. No one has landed in hell by accident. It's a decision you make before you die, ladies and gentlemen. And you're the one accountable to that. And so, we have many examples here in our earthly realm of judgments that have been made in court cases that are absolutely unjust to the victim as well as to society. Guilty men have been set free when they know they have been guilty but they just got a good liar. I mean lawyer. <laughs> you will never have to be afraid of that in heaven. When God judges, all the angels will say, Righteous, <laughs> perfect, just. No one will be shortchanged before the judgment seat of God. When you go before Him, if you accept Christ Jesus, He'll look upon you and His Son will say, He's one of mine, Father. I've forgiven Him for all His sins. That's the only way I will stand before Jesus but it's because of a decision I made back in 1973 not because I'm the pastor of this church not because I've done good works but because I trusted him for what he has revealed that he became sin for me and making that decision when I was 23 years old changed my life completely as you walk with him you depend upon him but it always begins with repentance and so you might be here tonight saying, well, how do I know this truth? Well, you've got nothing to lose. You're on your way to hell. Take a shot. If you, even if you turn away, you're still going to end up where you're going, right? But just think, what would happen if you open your heart? And say, God, if you're real, come into my life and change me. And he blows your mind and he does. And you're headed for heaven. And you come into fellowship with the living creator, the one who made everything, the one who created you, the one who died for you. It's a personal invitation he gives to you. He stands at the door and knocks. If any man opens that door, he comes in and sups with you and he with him. That's out of the book of Revelation because Jesus has been kicked out of the church. (laughs) It's used for evangelism, but it's really because they kicked Jesus out of the church and he's knocking on the door of the church. Let me back in. (laughs) Individually he calls upon. So you have to make a decision tonight. Is God a holy creator? Is God a loving redeemer? Is God a just judge? Then if you believe that. And if you don't know Jesus Christ. Then you would be a fool not to accept the invitation to be forgiven. And to go to heaven. But you get to make the choice. So I pray that you make the right choice. Location, location, location. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for your goodness and your love. And we pray for those that are here, Lord, that your hand be upon them. You administer to them your grace and love. And we thank you for bringing them, Lord. And we pray you would just allow them to understand their need of you, Lord, as they call on your name. As you're praying, if you're here tonight, and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm not going to ask you to get up and come forward just where you sit. If you don't know Jesus Christ, and you want to be born again, because you believe that He's God who became man and died in your place and rose from the dead, then right where you sit, you can repent through this prayer, and He will save you right where you're at. He will change your heart. And then before you leave tonight... After um, they come you and do a couple more songs, we're going to give you a Bible to the right by this door so that you have a Bible absolutely free. But you first must ask Christ in your heart if you want to be saved. This is your prayer to Jesus, not to us. And he will honor your heart. He will save you right where you sit right now. This is your prayer. You can repeat it. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you. As my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you made that